Blog Talk Radio. so much to talk about tonight in the wonderful world of pro wrestling. You want to get the entire Ken Reedy Show experience. First off, go over to Facebook, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Like the page. We always got surveys, information, stuff on the page. Right now we got a show chat going on on the Facebook page. Later on tonight we'll have a Monday Night Raw chat going on. So you want to head over like the Facebook, get involved with the chat right now. Get there, go, right now with the Facebook. You can also check us out on Twitter, at the Ken Reedy Show. Is our old handle there on the Twitter, as well as our website, thekenreedyshow.com, blogs, bio, bio, bio I'm, I'm, my brain is still in New Orleans, bios, um, and all sorts of neat stuff on the website. So get on over there, thekenreedyshow.com, to check us out. And most importantly, you want to get on the horn tonight, 347-838-9815. That is the number to call if you want to talk wrestling. And there's so many things to sift through, so many, you know, my, my head is spinning right now with all the stuff that we have to talk about. And I would never, ever be able to make heads or tails out of any of it if not for my tag team partner, all the way from Connecticut. Dave, how you doing this evening? Well, thank you very much for that kind, kind introduction. I'm, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing okay. I, uh, you know, I, I know we always like to keep things positive here on the show, and uh, you know, I got a few things I need to get off my chest. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get to it. Yeah, well, full disclosure, as as we get into this and we get ready to talk wrestling, and I don't know why this is, but it seems like once a year, just to kind of make my life difficult doing the show, my DVR decides, hey. Guess what? We're not going to record SmackDown tonight. And actually, because usually I don't watch SmackDown on Fridays. Um, sometimes I watch it on the weekend, but generally I watch it when I get home from work right before the show. So I didn't check my DVR. Then I popped home from work, sat down, made myself a little snack. Like, all right, time to relax and watch SmackDown. And, you know, it, it's not even set. Like, next Friday was not set, so I had to reset SmackDown. And I don't know why, but. My my DVR does that like once a year with SmackDown. That's it. Not Raw. Not any other program. Once a year it decides we're not going to record SmackDown. Not only that, it's just going to be stricken from 
your recording schedule. So reprogrammed. Hopefully I'll be getting SmackDown this Friday. I've read up on some of the things that happened. So hopefully I can give at least an educated opinion on some of the things that happened. But Dave, you were able to catch SmackDown on Friday, correct? Well, yeah. You, you know what? You know, <laughs> that, that's part of what I want to discuss tonight. Uh, you, you really didn't miss much at all. Um, you know, you had a you had a rant last week where you talked about the, the how bad the, the the commentary has been um, from Michael Cole and JBL and Jerry Lawler as of late. Uh, well, I, I would like to talk about the the lack of detail and the 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 that that WWE fails to, to to understand and to get sometimes, especially to you know knowledgeable wrestling fans, you know, like us and like our listeners. Uh, you know, Friday night there was a rematch between the uh, the Usos and uh, Golden Stardust for the WWE Tag Team titles. And the match was chugging along. It was a good match. Both teams, you know, worked pretty well together. And, uh, you know, closing moments of the match, the Usos, uh, you know, started taking the advantage. They were getting hot. and I, I forget exactly what happened, but one of them went for the cover. And the referee counts one, he counts two, and then all of a sudden Goldust runs in and breaks up the count. And the referee calls for the bell, a disqualification. Now I'm thinking to myself, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. When all of a sudden does breaking up the count qualify as a disqualification? For years I've watched wrestling till the cows have come home, and I've never seen the referee ring the bell and say, disqualification because you broke up the count. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, this must be something new. So I'm, I'm continuing to watch SmackDown, and there was a Divas match, tag team match. Immediately following, they had commercial, and they come back, and the Divas are on in a tag match. It's uh, Natalia and Rosa Mendez versus Summer, Summer Rae and Layla. And they're having their you know normal Divas match that they do. And I forget who it was, but somebody went for a pin, and the other person came in the ring and broke up the count. And what did the referee do? Not a damn thing. He didn't ring the bell to call for a disqualification. And to me, I was like, that is just so blatantly disrespectful to wrestling fans when you're watching the show. It's like, if you're going to make a rule, okay, and you're going to make that rule a part of the storyline, you have to be consistent with it across the board. Okay, I, I mean, I don't. I just, I was just like scratching my. I couldn't believe it. I was like, "What has has this? As I wouldn't say, what has this world come to?" But <laughs> I was thinking to myself, "What's going on?" Like the writing has just been very subpar since SummerSlam, and I've I've opened my mind and expanded my brain, so to speak, when it comes to wrestling by listening to a lot of podcasts from guys in the business. I listen to Jim Ross's podcast sometimes. I listen to Jericho's. I've listened to Austin's. And, you know, they hear some great stories, but their, their, their thoughts on the current product today, they are dead on with what most wrestling fans and the Internet wrestling community out there feel, is that it's just it's, it's very stale. It's very bland. And it's, not, there's, it's just not catching on with a mainstream audience, in, in my opinion. In their opinion, Austin, Steve Austin has said it, Jim Ross has said it, um, Jericho has said it. But one thing that struck me more than anything was Jim Ross brought this up uh, on a podcast recently. He talked about how 
um, in wrestling nowadays, a guy will use a closed fist to punch a guy in the face, and the referee will not call for disqualification. Because last time I checked, closed fists were always illegal in wrestling. Even when a guy gets on the second turnbuckle and he's going to punch a guy ten times and the crowd chants along, that's a punch per second. A five count usually is what's supposed to break that off. Otherwise, if you don't go, if you, if, you, if you don't stop after the referee's five count, you're disqualified. So, so just the logic with the rules and everything has really like thrown me off. And I'm just like, are they doing this because they painted themselves in a the corner creatively and they can't figure out a better way? And you know, and that one more final point I want to make before I send it over to you, Ken, is that. On the Steve Austin podcast, he interviewed former WWE writer Court Bauer. Court Bauer has been instrumental in quite a few storylines for WWE, um, in, you know, from 2005, I believe, to 2007. And one of the storylines in particular that he was, um, that, that or not the storyline per se, but one of the things that he talked about, excuse me, in, you know, that podcast was the fact that Wrestling needs to be formatted differently now. It, it, it's become too predictable. I mean, way too predictable. Um, you know, Raw is three hours. There's too many replays, too many commercial breaks during matches. It upsets the flow of a match. Um, you know, very, very predictable. Guys are, um, you know, coming out, cutting promos for about 15 minutes. Another guy comes out, cuts a promo. Maybe they get an authority figure of some kind to make a match for the two either later in the night, the pay-per-view, and then it's the end of it. It's just the same old. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's like a machine. You know, you, it just, you, you know it's going to happen. And it was very formatted differently, I should say, in the Attitude Era and during the Monday Night War era um, in wrestling. And I'm, I'm kind of stumbling over my words because I'm just so frustrated with the product. I'm sorry if I can't get it across you know, properly to our listeners. But basically... Uh, my frustration is there's just no consistency anymore, and and it's and it's becoming insulting to fans. Ken, you've talked about it when when guys say like, "Oh my God, I've never seen that before." Holy cow, I can't believe that happened. It's been done to death in wrestling. It's been done to death. Like everything has been done. What's old is new again in wrestling. So I, I, I'm just I was overall these podcasts have kind of like I said expanded my brain and made me look at things and see things differently and. To me right now, like, my girlfriend said it last week, like, excuse my language, she goes, this shit sucks. It's boring. It's predictable. It's, it's Nothing's been exciting on Raw lately. And that's how I feel with, with WWE since SummerSlam. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, you know, and this is a little bit out of the box, you know, for us uh, conversing-wise, but this might be like that time, you know, that, that wrestling needs to start to evolve and change and get with the times, and you know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, I lived through the 80s, the, the initial boom, uh, you know, pro wrestling, and, you know, it was huge. And I fell away from wrestling in the late 80s, early 90s, because they kind of tried to stick to, like, the same formula, and it, it got, like, ridiculous and cartoony. And, you know, and then it evolved, and, you know, the NWO starting WCW, and then, uh, uh, you know, the Attitude Era in the WWE, and it changed the landscape of wrestling, and it flipped the script, and... It changed with the times. And, you know, I, I get it. I get it. The WWE wants to be a global brand. You know, they want to market themselves to family. I get it. I'm not going to just sit here and, and 
crap all over, you know, the PG rating and everything. Because I don't think it's that. Because I think you can still be creative within the context of PG. So it's not just because the Attitude Era is over and now it's PG. It, it's time to, to come with the times. And there's a lot of things that, that need to be changed. And I do think that you get – you look at things and it does as a fan and – not accusing anyone of anything, but as a fan, when you watch it, and that's we're the ones that matter. We're the consumers. We're the ones that matter. It does come across to me, and I'm sure a lot of other wrestling fans, that creative is lazy, that they're just going through the motions, that they're just kind of throwing things out there. I mean, Dave, you brought up a great point. Just little things, commercials in, in the middle of matches. Not only does it destroy the flow, but how many matches over the weeks and months and years do you just watch and you see the guy get, you know, one guy, you know, usually the face gets thrown out of the ring and then he, he puts his hands over his eyes like, oh, God, that hurts so much. And the heel, rather than following that up and going after him outside the ring, kind of starts to posture in the ring or, or yells at the ref. Immediately, you know they're going to a commercial break. You just sit there like, yep, here comes the commercial. I mean, there are times now where, like, I'll be watching Raw. I will be getting up to go to the bathroom before the commercial break happens because I know it's coming. Um, it, it's time now for wrestling and the WWE to look at evolving with the times. Um, it might be tough for creative, but you know what? If you're going, we get it. It's scripted, and we understand that. But the story that's being told is in the context of a real sporting event. That's the story. If you're going to portray that, and you're going to have certain rules, well, you need to follow those rules. I mean, that, that's it. You know, if you go and watch a movie about baseball, the rules that are in baseball apply in the movie about baseball. Okay, so just because wrestling's scripted, uh, it doesn't mean you, you, you don't stick with the rules. And, and that's part of the problem, and I, I'm right there with you, Dave. You know, if you're going to put those rules in place, if you're going to say a closed fist is illegal that a closed fist is illegal. And you know what? You, you have a 400-pound, 7-foot giant come up with a different finisher than punching a guy in the head. If a closed fist is illegal, then Big Show should never win a match with, with, with his finisher. Now, I mean, we've known that for years, you know, different... I mean, Jesus, that the, it seems like depending on what the result of the match is to be is scripted as, you know, sometimes the, uh, the 10 count when someone's outside the ring seems to take a half hour. You know, some consistency. If, if the person is scripted to, to beat the 10 count, then make sure the performers know they got to get in there in at least close to 10 seconds. Um, you know, the closed fist rule. I mean, I'm not saying you got to go back to all the rules. I mean, years ago, you'd automatically get, get disqualified if you threw someone over the top rope. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily saying you got to go to that. But whatever rules you have in place, then creative has to work within the context of those rules. And, and that's it. And, and and look to, like, evolve. Like you said, Dave, you know, change it up. Change the formula. You're right. You know every someone's cutting a promo. Now, as much as I dig the authority and I think it's it's a cool set of characters, it's like you know. Right, if John Cena's out there pissing and moaning about something, you know that the authority is going to be coming out shortly. And it's just, it's just become viciously predictable. It's almost like they have the formula in place and they just – you know, scribbling names rather than actually writing a whole show. Um, and I think it's time to, to evolve with the times. As much as, you know, I think the rules are important, but I think, you know, right now in sports, and again, 
the storytelling in wrestling is in the context of an actual sporting event. In sports, instant replay is all over the place. Instant replay is everywhere now. All the major sports are adopting some form of instant replay. Perhaps it is time for wrestling to kind of look at that. Do you go to instant replay? Is, is, there, is there a way to use it in pro wrestling? Do they kind of tweak the whole, you know, DQ kind of thing? And, and you know, maybe heels don't get away with stuff. Maybe, maybe in doing something like that, you make no DQ matches mean a lot more because it's easier for you to get disqualified in, in that sort of rule set. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying maybe instant replay is not right for pro wrestling. But I do think when you're looking at what's going on, um, in wrestling, things have to change, and I think it's there's some continuity with what we're talking about, Dave, coming out of last week's show, the frustration that I had with the commentators. You know, that has to change. The commentating has got to get better. Like you said, and, and it's funny now, you're marketing this network. You're marketing this network, the history of your company, for nine ninety nine a month, and you're putting it out there. So you are putting out there the history. And you want us all to embrace the history as well as the present and the future. And when you say as a commentator you've never seen anything like this before, your network is showing us the hundreds of times it's happened before. And again, it gets back to, like I said, with the the commentating last week and kind of what we're hitting on this week, don't insult our intelligence. I know we're wrestling fans, and it's easy to say, oh, just right. Don't insult our intelligence, as, as you said. You know, our fans are, are smart. Um, they want a better product. They want, you know, most wrestling fans that we talk to, Dave, want to like wrestling. They don't want to complain. They want to watch a good product. It's time right now in 2014 when you look at this product that essentially, aside from the company being, you know, getting bigger and bigger, the formula's kind of been the same for the better part of a decade. It, it might be time to start tweaking things, start changing things up, uh, tweak the formula. And I'm not a genius. I'm not saying exactly what you have to do, but you, you got to think, Dave, at this point, something's got to change. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's ironic that you, you, you made a, a few statements, you know, one about the authority. Um, one thing that kind of struck me that was the re- really the – the only eye-opening logical thing that took place on last week's Raw was the fact that the authority did not throw Dean Ambrose out of the building. And Stephanie made a good point. You know, the Stephanie McMahon character had said, how many times have we thrown a guy out and they found a way to get back in the building? At least now we locked him in a room and got him, got him under control. I was like, okay, you know what? That That's kind of doing switching things up just a little bit, just little things. It's not the biggest thing in the world, but – at least they're not going with the status quo. Normally they throw a guy out of the building. They have him arrested by a bunch of guys, Halloween costume police officers, looking like, you know, police officers from a Halloween costume store, you know, a bunch of indie guys wearing those, wearing those outfits. It's just, it's the same thing over and over again. Um, you talk about that. And then I was reading an article this morning, as a matter of fact, on 411mania.com slash wrestling. And they were talking about, what could potentially be an internal war within WWE between Triple H and Vince McMahon behind the scenes. Apparently they had had some disagreements over the past few months in regards to some creative decisions. Uh, one of those creative decisions being um, the, uh, the, the, the ascension of Roman Reigns to the main event, which Triple H is in favor of, and Vince McMahon is not. 
um, uh, lots of different things. Um, some of the some of the NXT talent that Triple H had groomed and produced and portrayed as big deals down in NXT and then early on in their time on the main roster have now seemed to have, I would say, they've kind of that they're. Their popularity, their luster has kind of died down. I mean, they made, you know, Adam Rose into a big deal when he first came out. Now he's just basically another comedy segment on the show. He's just like everybody else. Bo Dallas, another name. The the inspirational character had some legs to it, but they never really went far with it. And a lot of insiders feel that Vince McMahon could potentially be cutting the legs out from under those guys to make Triple H's decisions look bad, Um, along with one of Vince's right-hand men, executive producer of WWE, Kevin Dunn, who, I, from what I've read, is not um, you know, too close with Triple H. They kind of butt heads creatively a lot. And uh, another name, the, the Wyatts. The Wyatts, from what I've seen back in the day, in the early days of NXT, they were like an unstoppable force. They were like the Shield or the NWO down there. They ran rough shot. They brought something different to the table, and it was interesting, and it was must-see TV down there. And then they bring them up to, to the main roster. They give them a little bit of uh, a taste of, uh, you know, main event spotlight and notoriety. And where's the Wyatts been since SummerSlam? I think Bray Wyatt, since the John Cena feud, has kind of gone on a, on a downward spiral, so to speak. They're not sure what they want to do with him. They put him with Jericho. That, in my opinion, wasn't the best work of either men. And now he's been missing on t- off TV for a few weeks. Same thing with Harper and Rowan. They had great matches against the Usos. And what have they done with those guys after that? Nothing. It's just it, it, they've jobbed them out to Big Show and Mark Henry. And those guys, should, you should be looking at them as the future of WWE. I just don't like this idea, this mentality that Vince McMahon and his inner circle has of giving a guy a little something, building him up only to tear him down and build him back up again. And the, the, some of the significant changes that Triple H has made, we, I as a wrestling fan recognize He's trying to bring a little more logic back to the product. He's trying to preserve the future of WWE with the farm system down in NXT. But at the same time, he's not going to be able to get full control until the day Vince McMahon steps away or unfortunately passes away. And the article basically stated that, you know, as much as the Internet hates Triple H, he's really what's best for WWE right now if you want to see – different things if you want to see the company grow and move in a different direction and, and, and flip in the script. So, I mean, just, just a few things that have come to mind for me after reading this article, after watching what I've seen. It's, things just have to change, in my opinion, personally. It's, it's, it's become way too predictable. I'm not a John Cena hater, but I'll say this a million times over. I don't think he should be anywhere near the title anymore. I don't think he should be anywhere near the main event scene anymore. I think John Cena, to be quite honest with you, has been overexposed. Um, I, I've always been a big supporter of him because the guy works hard and he's entertaining as hell. But you know what? It, it's time for them to worry about building stars for the future and not go in panic mode and go, "Oh, we got we, well, we got John to save the day, so we're just gonna we're, we're gonna insert him in the slot." Oh, this guy's injured. We were gonna push him for six months. Oh, all right, we'll just give John. We'll, we'll give it back to John instead of giving somebody else the opportunity to step up. I, I just think things have to change personally. I'm not saying I'll never stop watching again. I'll never say that I won't watch as regularly as I watch, because I will, because I'm I'm a diehard wrestling fan. But to me, it's just become way too predictable, and it's time for a change. 
Yeah, I mean, it is one of those things. And I, I do think in John Cena's defense, like, that's that's what happened with John Cena. For whatever talent or lack of talent you may think John Cena has, it's just the overexposure. And, and you know, it's the WWE, to me, it's WWE's fault. And I think it was pretty eye-opening that, you know, as soon as a guy like Daniel Bryan goes down, they go right back to John Cena. And it seems like, you know, basically John Cena's become the guy that, um, and whether it's Vince or Triple H or, you know, whoever it is behind the scenes, if it's Vince's brain trust, I mean, Cena's their go-to guy. And I agree with you. I mean, we discussed on the show that, you know, as much as, I'm being a dead horse, but as much as we're not Cena haters, uh, we we were excited that it looked like Cena was starting to move away from that main event picture, that they were starting to phase him out. And, you know, wham, the, the uh, Daniel Bryan injury happens, and they go, you know, right back to John Cena. And, you know, with something like that, I can't necessarily fault them for going back to what's tried and true. Uh, you know, they must have been in panic mode. But at this point, you've you got to change. I mean, you've you got a lot of really good young talent on that roster. And then you look at NXT, a lot of good talent, you know, coming up. And, you know, look, you may you, – you got to be realistic. I mean, you may love all these guys in NXT. You may love, you know, a couple of them. If you're lucky, will wind up being those bona fide main event guys. I mean, that's the way it is. That's the way the business is. You know, some guys you think they're going to be great and they just fizzle. Uh, you know, that's the way it happens. Um, but there is a lot of talent and a lot of talent to be, you know, putting out a good three-hour show. Um, it's just, you know, something's got to change, you know, and I think it's it's really a complete overhaul. I think that you gotta, as as a company, as a business, as an entertainment venue, you gotta sit down with your creative in your board meetings and say, all right, you know what? We've been doing this, this, and this for the past ten years, and we gotta change that up. And and I I agree with you. I think Triple H is probably what's best for this company. Um, and I think some of the subtle changes are his doing. Um, but it, it has to be more. You have to you have to do more uh, to put out a, a better product. I mean, especially because right now um, there's there's a bit of oversaturation with WWE programming. I mean, you you have Raw, you have a uh, main event, uh, you have superstars out there. You got SmackDown, and then you got the network. And and I've said this a million times, and I'll say it again. One of the problems. For, if, if I ran the WWE, one of the problems that I would see out of the network is that you're you're showing programming that is shining a spotlight on what's wrong with your current day product. You know, whenever you show like a you know an Attitude Era thing or, or the the Monday Night Wars, it it, it brings it right out there. They're like, they, and they're talking about how oh, one guy was always trying to outdo the other, and we were going out there and just trying to entertain the best we can and we're just, and you're listening to all that and then it's like you turn on raw and it's like yeah same crap as last week and and that's a problem you know when you go when you go and watch the network and you sit there and you listen to uh you know bobby heenan gorilla monsoon jr on commentary you turn on monday night raw and it's like wow this is just even worse than i remembered it last week and it's just you gotta so i mean i, I think the network almost does uh you know, current day programming, uh, almost a bit of a disservice because you're seeing what things used to be. And it's time. It's really time. 2014, 
you know, change change what's going on. You've been, the WWE, you've embraced technology. You, you, you got the app. You got, I mean, the network is, I mean, I love the network. It's truly amazing. But now you got to come up to 2014 as far as the product you're putting on TV. And and right now, it's it's just not there. And, and you know, I think, I don't even think, we. I mean, we've seen some subtle changes. I, I think, and I'm curious, your thoughts, Dave. I, I mean, I'm thinking we need, like, sweeping changes. I mean, I, I think that's at the point, creatively speaking, that we need some, some big changes as far as uh, some of the rules, the rules being enforced, uh, the technology being used, um, how the refs uh, conduct themselves, how the commentating goes, uh, the other titles, uh, where your commercial breaks, your opening and closing. I mean, I think they got to look at everything to kind of breathe some life into Monday Night Raw. Oh, absolutely. And I think also, too, character placement as well. Um, you know, not not taking a, taking away from the talent that they currently have now, because there are a, a lot of talented guys on the main roster. But, you know, one of the things that struck me when I listened to the Steve Austin podcast, he had former WWE writer Court Bauer on, and Court Bauer had mentioned how during the Attitude Era and during the Monday Night Wars, especially on especially on Raw and Nitro, you saw guys in certain roles creatively, and you knew it just fit. It worked well because it was like an extension of their personality, and it, and and it was it was almost you know it was like the real person out there. Now you got guys that they nowadays that they force some of these guys into these roles, thinking it's going to work. Okay, well, you're you know you're you're a so and so, and we want you to be this instead. And they you can't force somebody to. To, to be something that they that they are not going to feel creatively and that they're not in tune with uh, character wise. Now, like I said, nowadays it's just like, well, we, I watch TV. It's like, oh, they're going to do this with this guy. Uh, I don't know, but if you watched back then on Raw Nitro, it's like, well, they're going to take this guy and they're going to move him over here. Like when they moved the New Age Outlaws into DX, like that worked, that fit because they were like another version of DX, and you put the two of them together, it just became bigger than ever. Now they force guys to, like, tag with each other. They have no chemistry just so they can give them something to do. Uh, you know, I think the, the the one bright spot right now has been Damian Sandow with this stunt double gimmick with The Miz. It's worked tremendously. I mean, you, you texted me the other night. He gave, a, 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 you know, a, a, an airless figure four on the floor when Miz was giving the figure four to Ziggler. I thought that stuff was great. Stuff like that, thinking outside of the box. I think it was just kind of going to status quo and just doing their thing and and that's it and to me this wrestling fan you know i i, I can't i can't jive with that anymore three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five that is the number to call what do you think of the current product do you want to see changes do you want them to stay exactly how they are i want to hear your thoughts after the break right now as we do each and every monday it is time for the day five fifty fifty news report you heard the man Dave 5 News Report, only heard top of the hour every single Monday night here on the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. A few weeks back, it was reported right here on the Dave 5 News Report that TNA Wrestling may not be down for the count just yet. There have been discussions as of late that the network WGN America could be the new home for TNA Impact Wrestling. Sources say WGN America is one of the four networks that is in talks with TNA to air impact. The Velocity Channel was also discussed as a possible home, but WGN seems to be the front runner as of now. 
More proof of this comes after a tweet service last week by TNA executive producer Jason Harvey from The Wonder Years with a picture of himself in the WGN America offices in Chicago, Illinois, indicating big things happening. Allegedly, TNA president Dixie Carter told talent at the most recent TV taping that they are confident in securing a new TV contract and there are plans to relaunch for the live television taping on January the 7th, 2015, from New York City's Manhattan Center. Speculation in the biz and this is that TNA could announce this new TV contract later this week, but those plans, however, are not definite. Despite the, that last story and the reports surrounding the circumstances, some still believe that TNA's future isn't as bright as some would like, as WrestleZone.com reports that TNA is now allowing talent to take more independent bookings than they had before. With lower and mid-card contracts, talents are on, only get paid for the dates that they work, with no downside guarantee. As long as the talents do not appear on non-TNA television, pay-per-view, or internet pay-per-view, TNA allows them to take as many bookings as possible. Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine ranks the top 500 wrestlers in the world every year, and sitting atop the list for 2014, it's former WWE World Heavyweight Champion Daniel Bryan. That's right, not John Cena, Daniel Bryan. Despite only being active for the first quarter of 2014, his storyline with the authority culminating in his WrestleMania 30 title win could arguably be one of the better storylines in recent memory. His ability to captivate an audience by his in-ring performances and his catchy yes chant have cemented Brian's status as clearly the most popular wrestler in the business today, and he's not currently active. Speaking of Brian, it's been discussed that we could see the leader of the yes movement return much sooner than originally planned, that being Survivor Series in November. The interesting part about this story is that Brian won't be the only superstar scheduled to return around that time. If doctors can medically clear him pending his rehab and recovery process, we could see recently injured star Roman Reigns return also. However, WWE officials are treating the injury to Reigns very seriously and may hold off until the beginning of 2015 pending his rehabilitation process. And if you thought I was done discussing returns to the WWE, rounding out the list is Batista, who quite possibly could be finishing his run with WWE according to sources inside the company, culminating at WrestleMania 31 next year in a possible retirement match with, allegedly, Triple H. With his popularity rising after his role in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy and announcements of more blockbuster roles in his future, one being with Academy Award-winning actor Robert De Niro, Hollywood might frown on Big Dave's physical involvement with WWE, and if he were to get hurt or seriously injured, that could affect future roles for the animal going forward. This story here is a very interesting story. It kind of tugged at my heartstrings because me, I'm a Hulkamaniac till the day I die. Our fourth story this week, Hulkamania has always stood for training, saying your prayers, eating your vitamins, believing yourself, and now racism? According to a report by TMZ, some have questioned Hulk's morals and values after hearing of a strict dress code in effect at his Hogan's Beach restaurant, which some have implied as racially stereotyping a particular group of people. The dress code states, 
no baggy pants, no excessive jewelry, no do-rags, no hats on backwards or sideways, no boots, no high-top sneakers, no sports jerseys or cut-off shirts, no camouflage clothing unless you provide a military ID, etc., etc., etc. When reached for comment, Hogan stated he does not own the restaurant, but licenses the name for use and went on to state that himself and anyone representing the restaurant are not racist. Hogan stated that he understands the dress code can imply otherwise, and it was a big misunderstanding blown out of proportion, and that he personally rectified the matter with the dress code no longer in effect. Brother. And finally, to round out this week's Dave 5 News Report, we've been talking about change in wrestling. I think we're going to see some on an international level. The upstart Lucha Ground Lucha Underground series from AAA out of Mexico has taped several weeks' worth of episodes and have announced its premiere date for October 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, only on the El Rey Network. Appearing on those episodes are former WWE superstars Chavo Guerrero Jr., John Morrison, former WCW and Mexican wrestling star Vampiro on color commentary, and joining him handling the play-by-play action will be former WWE commentator Matt Stryker, as well as all the Lucha stars from AAA. It's being reported that former WWE World Heavyweight Champion Alberto Del Rio, a.k.a. El Patron Alberto, is scheduled to take part in future tapings of Lucha Underground. Backstage official and AAA booker Conan from WCW and TNA Notoriety is also involved in the project both on and off screen. And there you have it, folks. That was the Day 5 News Report, the most informative news report in the wrestling business today. Only heard every single Monday night here at the top of the hour on the Ken Reedy Show. Ken, back to you. Nice stuff. I, you know, I, I, every week I enjoy listening to the news. I feel like I'm just uh, so much more well-informed after your, your five news stories. Lots of good stuff this week, Dave. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because after I, you know, formulated my news stories, you know, I'll, I'll give every all of our listeners a little sneak peek. You know, I'll take notes during the week watching wrestling or, uh, you know, reading, you know, stories, rumors on the Internet, and I'll decide what's, you know, the most talked about most interesting or one that just really catches me off guard and it's like I got to report it and then I'll start doing my writing usually Sunday evening Monday morning depending on if there's a pay-per-view Sunday evening Uh, and then sometimes I scramble coming home from my regular job to finish out my stories I mean Ken and I have been doing pre-show meetings and I'll be on my third story and we're about two minutes to air and I tell him hey you gotta you know cover for me while I'm while I'm incapacitated finishing these last two stories. But, um, you know, before we got on the air, I logged on to, uh, you know, the Internet, and I noticed that uh, Global Force Wrestling has announced that they're going to produce their first show. It's going to be a pay-per-view. It's going to be January the 5th, uh, 2015, um, in conjunction with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And apparently, you know, New Japan's going to help them out. They're going to do a, a, a pay-per-view from the Tokyo Dome, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it's going to air in the United States on the 5th. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to be live or if it's going to be taped or how how that's all going to work. But um, Global Force Wrestling looks like they're going to, uh, you know, uh, put their stamp on the, you know, the wrestling business come the new year. And it's you know it's really interesting what's going on with Global Force Wrestling because when it when it first when I first heard about it. Um, 
You know, I, I was excited. Uh, you know, I've always liked Jeff Jarrett, um, but I wasn't overly excited about it. I was like, all right, you know, Jeff Jarrett's going to do a, you know, a thing. Um, but to be honest, as as the whole thing begins to evolve, and as you know, uh, the first part of our show, we talked about how things really need to change, and you need to flip the script a little bit. And I, and I think, you know, it was WWE-centric, but I think that goes for across the board uh, for for a lot of wrestling. you got to change up what you're doing out there and, uh, you know, do things a little bit differently. Um, I really like what I'm hearing so far at a Global Force Wrestling. I, I think this is something that can be a, a bona fide uh, alternate wrestling show uh, to, to watch. Um We'll see how exactly it evolves, uh, you know, when and if they get a, a TV deal or anything like that, um, pay-per-view coming. Um, but, you know, Jarrett's out there signing contracts with promotions all over the world. And, and the way he's doing things, it, it almost, I mean, the, the NWA right now is a shell. Even if you want to, you know, and that's being kind, a shell of what it once was. Global Force Wrestling is starting to look like almost a an NWA type promotion for the new millennium, a a, a worldwide product um, with with different promotions tied in with one governing body, and uh, it, it just I'm really intrigued with uh, you know what Global Force Wrestling is, is doing, what Jared is doing, and look, I'm not saying that I I, I believe that that. Global Force Wrestling is going to be able to overtake the WWE. I'm not that naive. But I do think that they could make some noise in the wrestling business. And I could see Global Force moving into the number two spot much quicker than maybe anyone would have anticipated when we heard about this project. I I, I truly believe that, too. I think what... From what I understand and from what I've heard and read in multiple interviews regarding talent, um, Jarrett has been scouting talent left and right, uh, Canada, uh, UK. Like you build all these partnerships with New Japan Pro Wrestling, AAA out of Mexico. You know, a while back I reported all these different organizations he's partnering up with overseas in the UK and Wales and Ireland and Germany and you know all these different countries. Um, like you said, he's getting his ducks lined up in a row. But I think what the appeal to his promotion for talent on the indie scene and former WWE talent is I think most talent, you go to WWE, you know what you're getting yourself into. You're going to work that grueling schedule 300 days a year, and you are a property of WWE. I mean, Matt Hardy said it best in a recent interview. He enjoys his time. He can pick and choose what he wants to do, when he wants to do it. doesn't feel like he's held under you know, a, a microscope in, from WWE. He can come and go when he pleases and do other outside projects and have other interests other than wrestling. Um, that's why Jericho has the schedule he has. That's why RVD has the schedule he has. And I think with Global Force Wrestling, I think you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, open-door policy when it comes to talent. I think you'll see a core roster of guys. Um, but I, I don't think you'll see guys sticking around for too long. I think this will be the promotion where you'll see, you know, talent from all over the world, indie, new stars, stars from the past, a mixture, a little bit of everything with with Jarrett. But I don't I don't see them all the talent or the majority of the talent being tied down to Global Force Wrestling unless they become bigger than ever and Jarrett has no choice but to sign these guys to 
to exclusive guaranteed contract. Um, and I think Jared, quite honestly, I think he's got the ability to compete. I mean, you know, people have, have uh, Dave. Hello. I think we lost Dave there. Um, are you there, Dave? Hello. Hey, there I'm you here. are. I didn't go anywhere. Welcome back. All of a sudden, you just like, it sounded like your phone cut out, but you're back. So continue oh, your point. I'm still, I'm still here. Uh, where was I? Oh, well, Jarrett, I mean, Jarrett was the one that founded TNA Wrestling. Jarrett was the one that created the concepts for TNA early on to, to get eyeballs over to their television set to to eventually, I wouldn't say become a contender for WWE, but people noticed TNA, and people wanted TNA to be the number two promotion. They just didn't have enough resources to get off the ground, you know, financially and, and you know, talent-wise. I mean, they did – creatively, they made mistakes. Creatively, they have. We, we, will, we will go on record as saying that. But Jarrett was the one that really, in the beginning, made it different and made people kind of go, oh, wait a minute, all right, WWE bought up all the competition, but here's this guy over here that's starting something new, and it's pretty cool. We're going to check it out. And, hey, they've lasted this long, and I think Jeff Jarrett is owed a lot of gratitude, you know, because of the, the, the longevity that TNA has had in the wrestling business. So I think Jarrett has the ability to be a player in the wrestling game, I don't. I'm not saying overtake WWE by any stretch of the imagination, but I think Global Force Wrestling could be one of those things where even some WWE talent, their contracts run out, they 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 might head over there because I think it might be a little more freelance than what WWE is now. Yeah, I mean, I took, if nothing else, it's it's something to start to get excited about, and I guess it does go back to what we were talking about earlier in the show. It's something new, it's something different, and. Kudos to Jarrett, and you know, I, you know, maybe it was, it was smart, like how you know he announced that he was going to do it, but it's been a slow process, and I'm excited. I mean, as a wrestling fan, I'm excited to see what Jarrett is going to bring to the table at Global Force Wrestling. So, uh, you know, again, it's something different in the world of pro wrestling that we have to look forward to. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. That is the number to call. I have to just thank you guys so much. We got a couple of you on hold. You have been. Super patient uh, with sitting out there on hold. We're going to go out to the phones now. Whatever you guys want to talk about, we're getting ready for Monday Night Raw. You want to talk Raw? You want to talk Global Force? You want to talk about what needs to change? Uh, let's bring it. We're going to go out to the phones now. we got Tony on the line. Hey. Tony, thank you for being patient. What do you got for us tonight? God. Well, i got to say this, man. I, I pretty much agree with everything you were saying for the last 45 minutes about uh, just about everything. I'll be... Uh, WWE has become very stale, predictable, and everything. And it was, uh, although I, something I'm going to point out, I don't know, you can barely notice, but Dave, I don't know, you talked about the uh, tag title match uh, ending in a DQ. It actually ended in a DQ because Goldust broke up the pin with the belt. So it was so really, it was a, yeah. But you know what? I I, I apologize honestly. I, I did not know it happened so quickly. I didn't even notice it that he broke up the pin with the belt. I, I really didn't. That is that. That wow! I feel really stupid right now. <laughs> we all I make feel really dumb okay. right now. I feel yeah. really dumb right. Now. I mean, that doesn't mean that WWE shouldn't change their creative process and how they how they format a show because there's other problems other than that. But I, honest to God, I didn't see him hold the belt. 
I know you, I wear you glasses. can hardly notice it. Yeah, I wear glasses when I watch. I wear glasses when I watch TV too, so I should have seen it. But holy cow, maybe I should call it a night. And <laughs> you might have to do this one on your own. It's, it's a bad convergence of events. My DVR craps out, so I, I don't see it, and you end up like just missing something. I mean, it happens. It happens. But they still need to hey. change things creatively. That's oh, the point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like I said. I mean, even like you were, you know, like you were talking about. I mean, they they used to happen in the old. They pretty much took the old nitro formula. You know, it's like with you know, like most of the. You know, it's like back then. You know, it would start out. What were it was like? Hogan and Bischoff would be talking for 20 minutes with the rest of the NWO in the ring, just standing there doing, you know, not really doing anything. And it's like it's it's kind of it's 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 what they do now. It's the same thing. It's 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 you know, it's all the same. You know, it's like. I don't. I mean, you know, you had the thing last week with Ambrose and Cena, and then all the you know Triple H and the rest come come out, and it was it was what it was. But it was you know it's it's, it's it is really has a lot of stainless, and the whole being like you say like the whole like you know, like bringing guys up from NXT, and it's like every time you know, it's like every time I hear an indie guy who's like really talented, like a Kevin Steen or a Kenta or or Prince Devitt, who, who they just be it's just like oh my god, it's just like. It's, it's just like part of me doesn't want them to be brought up to the main roster because because Vince and Kevin Dunn are gonna be like uh, who are they we've never seen these guys we don't watch the we don't watch uh, it's, it's just like it, it's like they, they they don't know who who these guys are it's like you know I know I I, I it's just like you know I'm I, I think it's t- time for Vince to uh, step down with Triple H sit in the captain's chair it's you know it's it's just, uh, it's you know, because he's really out of the. You know, I mean, he's been out of touch. I mean, it's pretty much the, the product has been most of it. I think it's been stale ever since the Monday Night Wars ended. It's like, you know, pretty much for the past like almost you know, thirteen years, almost fourteen years. It's it's, it's been, there's been a lot of sameness. And, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a good point. I mean, you, you know, again, like we've had some flashes of of some great stuff over the years. And we're not saying everything's been terrible, but I think you you bring up a really good point that you know it's almost like the. The, the nitro formula and I and I think when you're going to be running a a program a pro wrestling program three hours once a week you know maybe you got to get away from any whether it's a nitro formula or any like just don't be formulaic you know if like you know almost get to the point it's like all right well if last week the authority opened raw then creative sit down because there's no way that's the one thing we can't do this week you know and it, I mean just if, if John Cena main evented this week's Raw, then under no circumstances can he main event next week's Raw. And just kind of, just just flip the script a little bit, just to kind of make you think. All right, you know, you're getting to see some different stuff week in and week out. And you know that I mean, you said it, the Nitro formula, but like I said, if, if it's any formula, if it's formulaic in any way, shape, or form, eventually it's going to get stale. And it's just, it's time for the product. And, and I don't want it to come off that we're we're bashing it per se, but it's it's time to evolve. I mean, it's happened over the years with wrestling. Every every decade or decade plus, the product has to evolve, and, and it feels like now that uh, it's 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 late almost. It's late in the evolutionary process. Uh, it really needs to take a a step forward. And again, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say I have all the solutions or even any of the solutions. But I do think I'd I in fact like and I'm curious your thoughts on this, Tony. But right now. I, I would rather see them do a Raw that's, like, completely different. And even if it sucked, just just to see, all right, you know what? They they gave me a different three hours this week. And, 
You know, as much as it wasn't great, at least it was something different. I mean, I'm getting to that point where I'm just craving something different. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. You know, it's like, I mean, it's like, it's, I mean, you know, like I just said, you know, it's like that ring is there for a reason, and it's not, you know, it's not, it's, it's not for, you know, it's like, if, if you know, it's, they should just start off the show with a match. You know, it's just like, forget about the whole, you know, it's like the, the whole starting promos, and it's like, okay, here's what's going to happen. That's going to, this, that, this guy's going to face this guy, and that's going to be either at the end of the show or, or, or it's going to happen right now. And then it's, you know, it's, 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 you know, yeah, like I said, it gets stale. You know, even like the other thing about you talking about the inconsistency is is the uh, the countouts. It's like I remember back in the you know, like in the old days or whatever. You know, it was like if the guy rolled back in the ring, the count would stop. Now it's like it doesn't. The guy's got to slide underneath the rope and slide back out, and the count stops. So, what? It, it, it's just it's it's just I don't know. And, and occasionally, you know, it's like yeah, they, I mean, they'll do they they have done like a guy who will break up a pin or it's like. Like when the shield used to break up a pin, the match would end at the DQ all the time, and that'd be kind of dumb. But yeah, it's it, it really, you know, it's like I say, I, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm looking for something different too. You know, it's like I mean, you go back to you know, like just have a few matches here. You know, like start off with a match. You know, like maybe maybe do a couple make like a couple backstage promos. You know, uh, you know, but you know, it's like they need to do like these long drawn out segments where they, where you know, like yeah, you know, it's like where they act like the camera is and they you know, where they. The, whoever's on screen, I like the cameras in there. You know, it's like I like the, the like the old, you know, when the, you know, like when they used to do like like, like when Gene Oakland or Sean Mooney or whoever we used to do, you know, like do the interviews in the promo area. You know, it's like it's, you know, it's like just do that stuff. It's like we don't need all we don't need all these backstage skits. I, I, it, it, it gets silly. Where like and again, it, it's one of those things where and it goes back to like last week with the, the the commentary. And what it, it's it starts to insult our intelligence. Like you're supposed yeah. to have like this this secret meeting going on in, in in the back, but like there's a camera there, there's a cameraman. I mean, it just it just doesn't come across as so so you know the 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 I'm John Cena and the authority is plotting against me, and and the camera's there and it's being broadcast all over TV and on the Titan Tron in the arena, but I'm supposed to not know what they're plotting against me. It's just it, it's oh, it. tired and, and yeah. old. It's time to what are you gonna do? Here's one thing that that I think can eliminate several of these these issues. One, as as, as cool as three hour raws were when they were a special thing, they need to cut back to two, in my opinion, because it just seems like that they're trying to fill time with crap. Like for instance, like we talked about, commercial breaks in the middle of a match, or how about? a replay, like a replay after everything. They, I mean, I don't mind the replays during the matches when they do the double features and stuff like that. Like, I, I get that, but, like, they do a replay, like, after every commercial. Like, if if so-and-so got into a brawl with this one backstage, they, they'd go to commercial, they come back, and what do you do? Oh, moments ago on Raw, and then, boom, they'll show it again. It's like, we were already watching that. Like, why do you have to show us this again? You're taking away, like, a minute or two of time that you could either add to another match or put some time in for another guy to, to, to have some time on the show. I mean, they replay everything. And then when they, especially if it's, like, the main angle, they'll, they'll replay, you know, what took place at the beginning of the show, and then they will show it over the course of, you know, the evening three, possibly even four times, especially when they did the stupid Bella Twin stuff. They played, I don't know how many times did they replay it over the course of the three-hour show, but it was just ridiculous. Like, I like I don't need to, you know, it's hard to trudge through a three-hour show, you know, watching bullshit like that. But, I mean, 
they got to get rid of the three hours, in my opinion, and, and honestly make the two hours mean something. You want to do three hours, you do three hours for, like, a theme show, you know, if you're like an old school Raw or, you know, whatever, you know, a WrestleMania Rewind heading into WrestleMania. So you want to do three-hour Raws, you do them like they used to do with the specials and then you get the appearances. Now three-hour Raws, it's, it's, it's lost its luster. And like I said, they're just trying to fill time. On one hand, I, I, I understand where they're coming from in the sense that it gives – people an opportunity more on television, like putting a, a guy out there, but they just put these guys in meaningless matches. There's no rhyme or reason behind, like, a tag match that they set up with, like, Heath Slater and uh, Titus O'Neil against Adam Rose and the fucking Bunny. Excuse my language. Uh, but, <laughs> but, like, there's there's no point in that. Like, you just put them out there so you can put them out there. Like, nobody's going to – why are they out there? What's their beef with each other? You you just throw them out there to have a match. It's, it doesn't you know, it doesn't make sense. Go back to two hours. That's my that's my theory. That's like one thing they need to change. And there's there's more than just one, but that's the first thing I think they need to change is go back to two hours. I, Tony, I definitely agree. I, yeah, I definitely agree. And I was saying it's, it's three hours. A lot of times it's it's like three hours and like. 15 minutes or whatever, it's like, it's 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 actually gotten to a ridiculous point where it's like the, the Raw is longer than the pay-per-views now, because it's like, the, you know, it's like a much, I'll be watch, I was watching, you know, like Night of Champions on the network and, you know, like other ones, and it's like it could be like, it's like, okay, t- 10.50, 10.55, the show's over. It's like, the, the, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's like, it's gotta be, there's, there's something crazy going on when the, when, when, when the free TV show was longer, you know, is longer than the, the Oh my God! It's, you know, it's, I, just raw being longer than the than the pay per views or network specials or whatever you want to call them now. I mean, it's just I just think it's I, mean, I just I think that's kind of dumb too. Well, that, yeah. it doesn't make sense because it it's not like it's not quality time. I mean, it's great that you get bonus time, and if it's bonus time, where you're like, oh, I'm psyched that they're going extra. But like Dave said, and I, Dave, I think you're being kind. But we'll watch. You know, if if something happens to start Monday Night Raw tonight. And and it, it involves John Cena. Easy, easy. There's going to be four to five replays over the course of the night. Easy. You know, and it just gets to a point where, like, you know, even where, like, look, you, you want to play it off like a sporting event and there's a, there's a match and you show a replay of the finisher. All right, fine. But you'll have, re, you'll have replays of promos. You know, they'll open roll yeah. with a promo. They'll go to commercial break. They'll come back from commercial break and say, Moments ago, John Cena said this to the authority. And they was like, we just saw it. So, I mean, it yeah. does get, like, the replays just get absolutely absurd sometimes. And you're right. It gets, look, if you want to go three hours, that's fine. But it's pretty obvious right now you can't handle the three hours because you're throwing in fillers. So, either look at putting together a quality three hours, or like you said, Dave, go back to two. But once you're looking at filler and replays, and, and and stretching things out and, and, and you know, advertisements and, and king eating Skittles or whatever the hell you're gonna throw in there, then they are giving us crap and go back to two hours. So, you know, that there's a lot of things they need to the one thing that I think we're all in agreement is that creative needs to all get in a room and say, you know, we need to flip the script a little bit. Tony, thanks a lot for the call. Lots of great points. We got some people on hold, so wanna to get to them yeah, we'll it next week. All right. Take it easy, brother. Tony brings up a lot of good points. And, and again, I think it gets to a point where we're just like we're frustrated as fans. You know, you just want to see a better product. And sometimes those three hours, it's, uh, 
Yeah, it, it's difficult. It's difficult to to sit there and I and I think what, what's hitting home right now for us is it, it hasn't been great since SummerSlam. So you know, as much as we we we're pretty positive on this show, um, and we we don't really like to you know, do those shows where we're kind of ragging on it. Um, but I, I mean, let's call a spade a spade, Dave. We really haven't gotten a decent Raw since SummerSlam. Absolutely not. It's uh. I I will admit this, and you know I'm I'm a diehard wrestling fan, but I think consistently the past four, three or four weeks, I have fallen asleep before the main event. Um, number one, out of just being tired from a long day with work and other things, and the fact that there's just not a whole lot that's interesting on on Raw anymore. There's not it's not must see TV. It's not like when I turned on Monday Night Raw ten, fifteen years ago. It was like oh, my God, like, I just missed this, like, damn it, like, I should have recorded it. I should have gotten a blank tape at the store so I can go record. Like, it's not like that anymore. Like, I mean, plus there's other avenues of finding ways to watch it after it's aired, but it just doesn't feel like you're, it, it, it's, you have to watch it anymore. And and that, to me, is, it, it's sad because it's got, I mean, the, the, the talent that they have has got potential. I just think, honestly, like, having people write for wrestling that, aren't fans that are just television writers and, you know, trying to, it's one thing if you hire a television writer to format a show, but don't have a television writer go up to a guy and give him a, give him a piece of paper to write a promo. Perfect example. Court Bauer mentioned like his second or third day he was on the job with WWE. He, he was with Stephanie McMahon and she handed him a piece of paper and said, go out to the ring, give this to Chris Jericho. He handed the paper to Jericho, introduced himself first, handed the paper to Jericho and said, here you go, this is from Stephanie McMahon. She wanted me to give this to you. Jericho opens it up, and apparently it was a promo. Jericho crumpled the piece of paper up, threw it over the back of his head and said, nobody writes for me, I write for me. You know, these guys have to feel the character. You can't have somebody writing a promo for you, and, and, and they're not the ones performing it. That person's got to feel that character. And that's another thing, too, that needs to change, at least with WWE, is that all, with the exception of Bray Wyatt, everybody on that roster pretty much sounds the same. By the way they talk, the, the, the tone in their voice, their delivery, it all just seems very forced and scripted and written. And sometimes these guys can't even remember their lines because they're so friggin' nervous. They give them so much stuff to do. Back in the day, wrestling was all about bullet points. You get these bullet points over, but you do it in your own way. You can't write for this person. You can't write for that person. That person's got to write for themselves, at least in my opinion. Good points. Let's go back out to the phones. We got Mike on the line. Let's bring him up. Mike, how are you doing this evening? Hey, good, guys. How's it going? Doing all right. What do you got for us? All right. You know, you guys touched on a lot. And, Ken, you talked about your website, and you talked about, you know, all the stuff that you have on there. You have a you have a section for I'm not on that section. You have, you have you're, people you're like... You're a caller. What happened, sir? You're a caller. Right, you have meet the callers, and you have meet the fans. No, no, but okay. And you have have people like Dr. Bob Arian who don't even call your show no more. You have Steve Wolf who don't even call or think about your show no more. And I think about your show, and I call your show, and I contribute. You know, and I I think I, I, I should be on there somehow. But we'll have to get on that. Thank yeah, you, we'll we'll, we'll, have, we'll have our we'll have our public relations department work on that. Just uh, 
send them your best 8x10 photo, and then uh, we'll get right on that. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I, I always know I can count on you. But, uh, but uh, you guys are touching on a lot tonight, especially I love the Rams. The Rams are very good tonight. Um, but you guys are talking about some good stuff. And I do think the WWE needs to change how they do stuff. First of all, I think they're overplugging um, and making a mockery of the network by with the nine ninety nine a month. We get it. You know, it's like beating a dead horse. We know. You know, we know. You know, we know. If if, if that's how they want to do it, that's a, then that's what they're going to do. But I I just disagree with how mm-hmm. they're going about doing it. Um, they need to change. You know, they you want the fans to talk about stuff. Adam Rose and um, Bo Dallas, I I just don't see the potential in them. I don't see it. Um, I just think that that it's over. You know, Adam Rose is just over for no reason. And Bo Dallas is, you know, his characteristics is not working. His, it's just, to to me, it's just flat and stale. And you guys were talking about the Wyatts, too. The, I think the Wyatt should have been tag team champions by now. I, I don't think the, the belt should have been given back to Cody, Star, Stardust, and Goldust. Yeah, I mean, or, or I mean, it, it, there's two ways to go with that. Or keep them out of the tag team title picture. I mean, that's the thing. Like, when once you put them in that picture, yeah, I think that they should have had the, the straps. It's just... It's, you know, and Dave said it earlier, it's like they don't know what to do with the Wyatts, and it's just kind of weird, and and I agree with you, some of these guys, I mean, I liked Adam Rose when he came in, but now, you know, he is kind of just a a comedy act. Um, The Bo Dallas thing is weird, and I think that goes back to what Dave was saying in reference to, uh, you know, the fact that, um, you know, things are scripted and, and characters are forced on certain people, and just when I watch Bo Dallas cut a promo, it seems to me like he he's he, he's not feeling the character, and and almost as we say, go back to the old school that it, it would benefit him for him to just be himself, you know, an amped up version. But you know, the the, the motivational speaker thing is just not working right now. It it, it reminds me of um, it reminds me of when WWE or F brought in Shane Douglas. And pawned him out as Dean Douglas, and 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 they talked they talked about um, you know and he and he tried to, to like the genius and the whole you know teacher thing down everyone's throat, and then it happened again with Matt Stryker. It's like this is you know this is how you guys you know talk about commentary. I mean not commentary, sorry. This is how you guys talk about characters and character buildups. And here's the thing that's funny too that I find hilarious. You guys are talking about cartoonish stuff, how WWE was cartoonish. Eric Bischoff, in many of the shows, you can, you can watch it, any any show on the network has Eric Bischoff talking about, well, we got away from this because their show was cartoony and our show wasn't. Glacier, okay? Glacier was cartoony to me. Mortis was cartoony to me. Um, you know, when you when you when you had these the Shockmaster, you know, was cartoony to me and it didn't and it didn't work. So you talk about, you know, character build ups and Adam Rose to me, it helped all the people that he works with. It helps getting over a bunny. It helps getting over 
all these different, um, you know, characters. But I, I just think they need to come up with some new ones, and they need mm-hmm. to. They definitely have a great talent pool in the WWE right now. Yeah, again, I think it's just, yeah, the, the talent's there. I mean, it'd be different if the talent wasn't there. The talent's there. It's just really kind of going, you know, back to the drawing board and saying, you know, we we got to think a little bit outside the box. we got to change things up a little bit. You know, it's, you know, and I and I know it's easier said than done. And, look, who who are we right here in our little show to be judging a multi-billion dollar company? I mean, I get it. Obviously, they're doing some things right. They're making some money, but... I, I think, you know, we're not alone right here in saying that it, it's gotten a little stale. And, you know, let's let's start to run with some of this newer town. Let's let's try some newer storylines. Let's, uh, you know, let, let's – I don't know. I mean, I don't know exactly what the, the, the plan should be, but it's just give me something different. And some of these newer guys, what's a shame. And I think Tony was interesting that he said, you know, some of the guys that he really likes at NXT – he doesn't want to see them come up to the main roster because he doesn't think they're going to be used properly. And that's saying a lot as a fan. that You, you have your guy that you really like, and you don't want to see him on the show of shows on Monday Night Raw because you're fearful of how they're going to be used. And, and I get it when you see guys like Bo Dallas and uh, Adam Rose that really, I mean, not only are they their characters not succeeding, I don't know where you go with them after this. So, you know, I I get it, but it just it's it's a... I know I keep saying it, but it's just time to flip the script. And you can and you can add the Wyatts to it too. You could definitely add the Wyatts. You know, Bray Wyatt came in here like a house with a house, like a house on fire, and now it's nothing almost. So I, I I just don't know where their heads at. But yes, if you guys do want to watch next NXT, that's a great show, great talent, great tag team. They have a great tag team division, the Ascension. Is one of our, one of the great tag teams down there. They're unbel- they're unbelievable. They just have that that way about them, you know. And and another thing I want to touch on. We have the network, so we have the power. We have the power to fast forward a wrestler that we don't want to see no more. Is there a wrestler that you just say you don't want to watch, and you know, like whether it be old school, you know, basically probably old school. If you're watching, let's just say, Super Bowl Seven or something, is there a wrestler from both of you guys? Is there a wrestler that you just fast forward? Jeez, I, I'd have to really think about that. I mean, uh, the one wrestler that always like resonates for me as far as like bad memories, <laughs> just in, um, I always think back to like Duke the Dumpster Drosy because that was one of the guys that, you know, I, I stopped watching wrestling when it just got so you know, over the top with, with you know, the WWE and, and that always, that that era of like the late 80s, early 90s, like the, in my brain, uh, Duke the Dumpster Drosy is like the, the, the poster child of, of that era. So I, off the top of my head, um, I would say him. I'd have to really think about it though. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, past to present, there's it's quite a few names of guys that I didn't care to watch and I didn't really like watching, like, I'll be honest with you, I was not the biggest Tatanka fan. I know Tatanka <laughs> had a little bit of a following, but I was not the biggest Tatanka fan. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, he, maybe he's one name that comes to He's a he, talented worker, but I don't know. His character just didn't resonate with me, I guess. Uh, um, him and uh, what's his name? Uh, Nails. 
the guy who beat up the guy who was the the guy in prison that beat up the big boss man that the big boss man put him in prison. First of all, if he has escaped from prison, and I knew this when I was nine years old, and if he has escaped from prison, why didn't the cops come arrest him in the wrestling ring when he was beating up the big boss man? They made this big claim that he escaped from escaped from prison, but then when you join the World Wrestling Federation, all of a sudden your sins are forgotten about. Give me a break. I knew that. At nine, I knew that at nine years old that he should have gone back to jail, but no, but there were no cops around to do that. There was Tony Gurria and Pat Patterson and Rene Goulet, the WWF officials, you know, in, outside the ring trying to get him to stop beating up the big boss man and all them referees with the bow ties, but there wasn't a single cop to be found when he was doing that to him. So give me a break. <laughs> I like that. That's very funny. Um, you know, and it's funny, those cameramen had to wear, had to wear like, spit guards because, uh, like, every time Nails used to talk, he used to spit. Um, my, the wrestler that I can't watch anymore is Chris Benoit. I can't watch him. Can't watch him. I, I try. I, I, I'm just saying I try. I mean, he's no, he's been a part. Of, you know, he's been a part of my childhood. When I was a kid, I used to watch WCW, and I used to see him on there, and I had a lot of respect for him. And ever since that issue happened with him, the little deal that happened with him and what he did, just it turned my stomach, and I can't watch it. And it's sad because. Some of my favorite matches with him are with Kevin Sullivan. So, you know, it's just one of those things. And, you know, I can't watch Ryback's matches. <laughs> and that's clear. <laughs> can't do it. Can't, can't watch Ryback. Can't do it. Um, can't do it, sir. Cannot do it. Mike, as always, thanks for the phone call. Always good stuff. And we'll talk to you next week. Take it easy, brother. Yeah, I can't wait to speak to you guys next week. Hopefully, we'll have a good Monday Night Raw, and I'll speak to you guys soon. Take it easy. Sounds good. Thank you, Mike. Hey, Mike, let's stick with the phones. We got uh, going out to Connecticut. You guys are on hold for a while. Uh, Cole, are you there? Yeah, man, I'm awake. What's up, buddy? <laughs> How you doing, brother? What's going on? Not much. Been hearing the whole rant, and I agree with everything wholeheartedly, brother. Oof. They, uh, well, to touch on one thing real quick, for three hours, that's not WWE. That's actually USA. USA wanted that. WWE just, it's just like supply and demand. It's like uh, Foot Locker and Nike. Foot Locker orders, Nike shoes, Nike's got to give them to them. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's all on that. That's on USA for the three hours. But everything else, I totally agree with. I think the show segment one should start with a match instead of a promo. I remember, I think it was Jericho and Bray opened up the opened up Raw in a cage match, right? Didn't they open yeah. that up a few weeks ago? Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was I was, I was like, whoa, the show's opening with a match. Okay, I'm in. I was very excited to see that. Or even Jim Ross's points on his podcast when he's like, let's have matches that are more than you know that that run a full segment as opposed to a commercial break. Because I hate, I hate, I hate seeing a guy get tossed out of the ring right in the middle of the match because I know it's commercial time. I'm just like you. I want to go to the bathroom now. I've seen that. I'm tired of that. But one thing that I can't stand, I'm so sick and tired of this, and you guys didn't touch on this, why are there so many disqualifications? What's up with the DQs? That's a, that's, that's a good point. That, that, that That's a good point. You see, you, you know, it's funny that you mention that. I think that... that that goes creatively is that disqualifications are the norm now 
because they they try to hot shot these big matches with guys that either haven't wrestled each other before or they have and they want to they, they they try to hot shot some of these angles and they put these guys in a match but both guys got to be protected so they don't know what kind of finish they're going to do so like we saw the finish a couple weeks ago at Night of Champions was the the, the Seth Rollins interfering Lesnar couldn't mm-hmm. lose the title but John Cena couldn't dare be pinned two months in a row on pay-per-view. So that's what they had to go with, was that disqualification finish. I totally agree with you. I think there's way too many, and there's not enough definitive winners and losers when it comes to wrestling anymore, at least for, like, big match outcomes. I'm not just talking about, like, TV. But I'm talking about, like, big pay-per-view matches. And what they do, yeah. though, with that also is that they kind of, you know, again, they, they cut themselves off with the opportunity to do something more creative and more out of the box. You know, you you say, Dave, right there, they couldn't have Cena get pinned two months in a row. Why not? He's John Cena. He's a millionaire a, a, a thousand times over. He, we, we get it. He's, he's the focal point of the company. How cool would it be to see that character, that John Cena character, having to deal with just not being able to beat Brock Lesnar? It could have been yeah. interesting. I mean, it could have been something... Unique to see, like John Cena go through, you know, maybe a little bit of self doubt. Maybe he goes away for a little bit. Something to just kind of give the character a little bit of depth and, and show us something different. I think all of us who have watched wrestling enough knew that there was going to be some sort of screwy finish at Night of Champions yep. with that match because it was they were not going to let Brock dominate again. We were not going to see Cena get pinned clean again. And we all kind of knew that they weren't going to take the strap off of Brock Lesnar. So it was just kind of, there's going to be some kind of screwy finish. And that's where, you know, how shocked would all of us have been as fans and how interested would we have been going into Raw if Brock won again cleanly? <laughs> I would have been like, wow, okay. Let's, let me see what you got. But at the same time, I, I uh, my gut is saying that that finish was modified because of Roman's injury, because you got to remember, Roman's out, and Rollins needs something to do. Granted, it was perfect timing for Ambrose to come back because the Rollins-Ambrose story isn't finished, but at the same time, once that wraps up, Rollins needs to work with somebody else. Because for the long... Like, I was, I was watching Night of Champions with a few of my friends, and we're all talking about Rollins in that briefcase. We're just like, if he cashes in tonight and he's successful, he's going to be the least believable champion that WWE's ever had. But if you put him in with Cena right now, he gets a few wins. Like uh, a year ago with Dolphin Cena, all the internet fans, they knew they were ready. They were hungry. They wanted Dolph to cash in two years ago, whatever. They wanted to cash in. They were hungry. They were waiting for it. But some of the other fans, they really didn't believe it. Same thing with Miz when he had Money in the Bank. Same thing with Edge when he had Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank is what elevates guys, but they got to get to that step. But Rollins right now, he's in that spot where he he's, he's going to get built up. He's going to cash in successfully, I might add. And it's going to be great. But I think that that finish was modified because of Roman's injury, which I had no problem with that modified injury, I mean modified finish, because I didn't see that coming. I didn't see Rollins interfere. That I didn't see, which was pleasant. I liked being surprised because, as you've been saying, the whole the theme of the show, 
predictability. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing everything coming. And this is something that I just don't get. This, this, and this is keeping the United Champions a little bit. The match of the night, bar none, was Sheamus and Cesaro. Bingo. Why? Why isn't that continuing? Exactly. No, you're right. We're right there with you, man. I mean, that that was the match of the night. That that's a feud. That's a feud I want to see. Number one and number yeah. two. You're, you're giving like some respect to one of the secondary titles. It's to me like as much as we're saying like creative has to go and like rethink things and and you know try and tweak things. This is something that's like great that kind of fell in your lap. Like to me, yeah. it's like oh, we put these two guys together and they gave us the match of the night. Well. Shit, man, we don't need to write anything. Let's just keep these guys going. It's, there it's it is. weird. They could have run to a Leaf Survivor Series. And totally. Leaf Survivor Series. They could have had another match at the end of this month, and then they could have they could even put the title on Cesaro for a little bit. I don't care. Just those two had the match of the night and arguably one of the best matches of twenty fourteen. Yeah, it was good. Like for me, it's, it's continuing it. I love seeing that stuff where, like, I mean, just a combination of good athleticism and hard-hitting stiff shots. Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved it. I, I just love their style. I think those two work so well off each other. And even, uh, you know, I saw an interview. I, I, If I'm not mistaken, I think Stone Cold also said that that was the match of the night. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, let these, let these guys run for, for a bit. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's you kind of want to knock your head against the wall sometimes trying to figure out. Uh, what they're thinking behind the scenes. Just like it, it, it baffles my mind how, and this is not taking any credit away from Dolph, and it's not taking any credit away from Miz. In fact, this is even putting uh, Sandow in, the, in in some form of limelight. But you gave them a storyline. Those guys who two cats from Cleveland who've earned everything they've gotten straight up, but you got two other guys who haven't been on the scene nearly as long as either of them, but are arguably more popular than them. And they were just thrown together and they gave you the best match and <laughs> I don't get it. Cesaro loses to Dolph with the... Now, the finish on SmackDown was actually interesting because, you know, the hand on the rope, I like where that goes because I've seen that before, but still, it's interesting. They don't do it very often. He had his hand on the rope. Now we're going to have Cesaro and Dolph, which I'm happy to see. But I know they're going to give it away in two weeks on television. They just, they just always do that. Because they're going to have, probably have a tag match or something involving those two again tonight. And then it's going to roll over into SmackDown. And it's going to roll over again on Raw. And then you're going to have a repeat and another repeat and another repeat. And then we're going to get to the pay-per-view. And then we might be disappointed. No, I agree with you, man. Like, uh, one of the things, as, as we start talking about what we're tired of, you know, one of the things that, that really gets on, under my skin is when you have matches like that involving a belt, and you'll have, like, you know, when the title's not on the line, then the challenger wins, and then finally, oh, uh, champ yeah. now forced to put the belt on the line. Now, of course, the champ wins. You know, it's, it's again, it's so formulaic, and I just wish they'd, they'd you know, flip the script a little bit, you know. And it, it's you know it's been interesting tonight because uh, you know generally we're pretty positive but uh, yeah I guess uh, six weeks I mean Not honestly I think there's been a lot of good stuff over the course of 2014 but six weeks we've gotten uh, some pretty stale raws and that's enough to make any fan uh, need to at least vent a little bit so hopefully tonight we get a decent raw but uh, 
really needing to just switch things up a little bit. Thanks a lot for the call, man. Well, wait, hold on, before before you go, sure. I know you got to go, but there's a there's a there's a pattern that they've been they've been following. I don't know if you've noticed it, but especially this year, particularly from January through till about August, they're hot and they're they're warming up because you know you got Mania in, in spring, then you got SummerSlam to build to. They're really hot, but in the fall, no pun intended, they cool down. I yeah, get it. yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I don't get it. I couldn't Survivor agree with Series you more. is supposed to be one of the big four. I, I look forward to, to Hell in a Cell more, and I hate the theme pay-per-views. I hate those. I can't stand them. But I know you guys are going to go, so take care. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot, bro. Take it easy. You know, he brings up a good point, and, you know, it's funny. And, and I one of the things, like, with Survivor Series, as, as you know, he said, man, you know, it's it cools down in the fall. But you know what? I mean, go back to the old Survivor Series formula. I would love to see that right now. For for all the superstars on the roster to actually have to put teams together. And I look, if you want to do like, you know, one match, fine. You have the title on the line for one. You have a singles match. Maybe throw in a tag match in the, you know, a, a title match or something. You want to throw a couple of other matches? But I would love to see Survivor Series have the majority of the matches be the, quote, traditional Survivor Series matches. And, and you know, it's, it's radio. I did the air quotes here, just so you guys know. But, <laughs> like, man, but like I, that's what I would love to see at Survivor Series. Just give us some, give us a bustle. I mean, you could add such intrigue to, you know, Monday Night Raws, where, like, let's just say you're going to have, like, four or five, like, traditional uh uh, Survivor Series matches, and you just name all the captains. And so for weeks, the captains are out there wooing people and trying to bring them onto their team. It gives you just something fresh to do. I don't know. Again, I don't work there. I don't know, but I just feel like just just give us something different. I I, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you know the caller's statement about the uh, about the the, the, the cool down period in the fall more. Um, you know, we saw it last year. I mean, we complained about it on the show last year, how the, the finish to the Battleground pay-per-view last year when Big Show got involved and knocked out both Orton and Bryan and how the title was vacated again, you know. I mean, it was one of those it, – it, like he's like, like like our caller James said, you know, it's, it's a period of time where they get hot, you know, going to Mania. Then they come out of Mania, they got that little push. It's springtime. And then they build towards SummerSlam, and then right after SummerSlam, boom, they just kind of like they, they disappear creatively. Um, and and we really don't see any kind of creative juices flowing until we get to January in the Royal Rumble. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you as far as the Survivor Series format go. I've been praying for that for years, for years that the majority of the card would be that way. Because, like you said, you've had so much intrigue with having guys, you know, try and search out guys on, to be on their team and – you know, strive to survive, and the theme of it is surviving, and guys that have never really tagged with each other, teaming up with each other against, you know, their their hated rivals from past and present. I mean, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, this may be, you know, a very little thing, but, you know, I remember, I remember one year at Survivor Series, the team was uh, Big Boss Man, Honky Tonk Man, Rick Martell, and Bad News Brown, and he wrestled Dusty Rhodes' team. I think he had, like, I forget who he had on the team, but Dusty had a few guys on the, on the, on the team with him. 
And the intrigue, I remember as a kid going into the match and even during the match was, can either team get along with each other? Like these guys, there's all these different combustible personalities and who's going to survive together and who's going to be cohesive as a unit. And Bad News Brown didn't like, if his character was, he didn't like nobody. Bad News Brown was an island unto himself, and he proved it in the match. He he got hit by somebody by accident. He, he was holding the guy. The guy ducked, and he took a shot from his partner, and he walked out on the team. And there was the intrigue there is that, like, you know, sometimes some guys aren't meant to work together and gel together, but the, the intrigue is there in that, you know, it's I, – I, I'm, I'm, I'm so – Loving over my words tonight. I feel so out of it just because of my frustration over the lack of creativity. But, yeah, Survivor Series format should definitely come back, in my opinion. And like you said, bring a title, you know, one title match maybe and then the rest of them. And you know what would be really cool, too, is if you really want to switch it up, if you were to do the majority of the Survivor Series card this year in November being those traditional, you know, elimination matches, I think they should bring the NXT group and have maybe about eight, ten of those guys compete in a match like that and give the people a taste of the NXT guys and what you could potentially see on the main roster with them and kind of add a different flavor to it, you know. But, I mean, creatively, yeah. The theme of this show is things got to change. And I think 2014, the time is now. We, we talked about it after WrestleMania that we were seeing a changing of the guard. And I really thought we were creatively with some of the guys that they were pushing and using, but I, I, for whatever reason, they just decided to go back to the old formula. And I think it's just kind of stale and, and, and stagnant and pretty boring. Oh, we just said we had a lot to get off our chest tonight. <laughs> we invented, hopefully we get a good Monday night raw tonight. Uh, hopefully we see some exciting stuff. You're right. Uh, we looked at a changing a guard, but now not so much. Head on over to our Facebook right now, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy show. We got a raw chat. Going on right there. Come back next week, 6.30 again. We'll be talking wrestling for Dave. I am Ken. Thank you all. Have a great night, everybody.